It's the business round of the World Cup. Eric Alcantar and Emma McConnell here to tie together the group stage and get you ready for the knockout stages. How, how about that? That was a fun group stage, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's only going to get better from here. No one looks back and says and talks about the, you know, I don't think they talk about the group stage all that much looking back at World Cups. It's always a knockout stage that gets all the attention. So it's going to be just Yeah, th- this is what we're here for now. Big teams, big matchups, big games. I, this You can't get any better than this, I think. Some of the potential matchups in the next round could be I mean, absolutely amazing. Huge. Absolutely huge. But let's go back and let's look into the um, the groups, what happened, and where they sit now currently. Yeah, so we'll start in a good old Group A. As I predicted, Uruguay would finish first. As I did not predict, however, Russia did end up finishing second. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia finishing third with three points. And poor Egypt will leave this World Cup with nothing really to show for it. Although a, a, a better goal difference than Saudi Arabia, funny enough. Uh, we, we talked about it when we were talking about match day two. U- Uruguay took the game to Russia, and it became pretty clear to me that if a team actually goes after them with some you know, actual quality, it looks to me like they're going to be in some serious trouble. Russia are. Yeah, uh, that that is definitely could be the case. It could also be a case of Russia letting off the foot Blowing their foot off the gas a little bit there. I don't think that's the case because they are hosting. You wouldn't think that they would take any game lightly, even if you know they already knew they were through. So um, it's maybe a little bit of Uruguay flexing and your and Russia kind of being a little scared. We had our first meaningless game between Egypt and Saudi Arabia here. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, not the last time we'll see Salah in the Egypt jersey. Uh, he did. He did make some comments after the game that made you th- that would make me think that. That, that that's the, the rumors may be a bit unfounded so that's good yeah but he didn't seem all that happy i mean with decent reason he was kind of a one-man wrecking ball um but the, the group in all honesty went about as ha- what you could expect if you looked at the play and you didn't even see the goals of the scores you would you would say okay yeah it's probably who the best teams are even just off of overall talent on paper i think um russia would for the most part better than you know egypt or saudi arabia uh, they, they hadn't been showing it. They had been performing, but, you know, they, they did come out this time around. I think that's fair. It was – it just – it is what it is, right? I mean, Uruguay, clear favorites. They came in and now, they, you know, they had, they didn't give up a whole goal, a goal throughout the whole three games. They weren't challenged all that much, to be honest. So I'd be interested to see now how they play in the next round. And so going to their opponents from Group B, Spain finished first. Portugal finished second, both teams on five points. The difference here being the goal scored number. Spain scored six, Portugal scored five throughout the group stage. So that's what separates them. Iran finished in third with four points, and Morocco did get that draw against Spain on the final match day for them to get a point at the World Cup. I do. I guess I also should mention, uh, going back to the other group, Saudi Arabia will turn their attention to the uh, Asian Cup of Nation or the AFC Asian Cup, and then Egypt will begin or continue their qualifying for the African Cup of Nations coming up. So same side, Morocco doing the same in Africa and Iran in Asia. That is correct. This is another group that basically came out how we expected, um, with the loss of Lupategui uh, on Spain right before the tournament started. We knew Spain probably wasn't going to be as dominant as they could have been, and all things considered, they bossed possession. 
but they never really put any teams away or looked like they had they were going to. And so that's why they had the draw with Portugal, the draw with Morocco, and then like a one nil win against Iran. Could have very easily could have very easily drawn with Iran and yeah. that would have changed everything. So I mean no one really looked all that convincing, except for maybe Ronaldo putting three <laughs> putting three goals against Spain. R- Ronaldo, Ronaldo was was an absolute legend after that performance. But, but yeah, you know, it, it's weird to be sitting here, to, you know, kind of critiquing Spain. It's it wasn't an easy group by any stretch of the imagination, but they did they their their strategies showed for sure because I I think that helps when you have an identity. It doesn't matter who the manager is per se. All the players were still expected to play the exact same way that they were training to play. So, you know, it, it obviously is not the same. Lopetegui, you know, he, he was certainly going to make a difference. The changes are going to be different. The way he adapts to the game is going to be different. The players will feel that animosity, and it affects them on the field. But having that style, you can clearly – they still had their style. They were passing it around. Everybody wouldn't give the ball away. I mean, if you're the manager here, you come in, and you're not going to come in and say, okay, we got three days left to the World Cup. Change scrap everything. It. Scrap everything. We're starting again. No, that's a you Michael Scott in, move. You can, yeah, right. Well, well, I mean, Michael Scott's actually a decent manager uh, if you look at his track record. Uh, but all things considered, you come in, you're I hero, <laughs> and you say, "All right, right on. Keep on doing what you're doing. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll be here." He might set up some training sessions to keep, you know, to live, liven things up, change things up a little bit. But the way they play, their tactics. Is the same. He looks at their tape. He says, "All right, yep, just just keep going." And that's what happened. Yeah. And there was a little bit, I think, of um, a lack of edge, but they get through, and that's really all that matters when you when you look back at it, because anything can happen at this point. And it, I mean, again, we look at certain runs in knockout stages in recent years. Spain in t- 2010 score won every game one nothing. Portugal in the Euros two years ago didn't win any games in regulation time. So. This, this is this is where the magic happens. We will see that, and again, it's business time now. So we will definitely be coming back to how Spain plays. L- lucky for them, and we will definitely talk about the way the bracket ended up shaping out. Spanish fans will be over the moon by what they ended up with in terms of matchups. I do think that we should mention that this is right now Uruguay versus Portugal, as Uruguay finished first, Portugal yep. second, and Spain. Russia on the other side of the bracket. So we'll we'll specify it as the left side and the right side, or the good side and the weak side. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, as it'll kind of play out. That is absolutely insane the way that turned out. So I mean, I mean, if we can talk about those those games for a little bit, I I would think your Uruguay or your Portugal, you're not exactly happy with whoever you face. Uh, so but this is a tough match. Emin has gone into it's, business for himself and decided that we will talk about these things now instead of at the end. But, I, I mean... I mean, look, look, listen, we're here. We talked about it. I think we can look at it like more big picture at the end, right? Well, look, you're, you're right about one thing. First of all, Portugal-Uruguay could very well be the ugliest game of the tournament because that is two teams that are not interested in having the ball. They're not interested in going after you. They want to absorb pressure and they want to get you back and use their best players offensively to score on you. Got it, a, nick a set piece here or there. Yeah, exactly. So they rely heavily on their defense. They rely heavily on being able to put in good tackles and dominate the midfield when necessary. The fact is that game is going to be very interesting to me because, you know, Uruguay is not 
going to fall asleep. Godin and, and uh, assuming Jose Jimenez, I have no idea his injury status. I know there was uh, reports that he could be out for the rest of the tournament, which would be an unfortunate loss for them because those two center backs That'd would be, be huge. two guys that I would absolutely want facing uh, you know Ronaldo through the middle as often as possible. So you know, But Godin, he's played against Ronaldo who knows how many times in his career now. So, look, nobody's going to be surprised by Ronaldo. We'll see. And not to say that I think Spain was caught by surprise, but I don't expect Ronaldo to have any kind of space. He's I, he might even be man marked for some of the match. They may they may have a guy trailing him the entire time, and just I mean you got to make someone else beat you on Portugal. That's for sure. Yeah, you can't have what's happened to Spain, where Ronaldo very nearly beat them by himself. Really. No, and it's going to be a tight match in the midfield. There's really not going to be a lot. And a Ricardo Quaresma, you can't let him beat you either. Portuguese yeah. GOAT. Uh, though I don't, I mean, does he start? Does he come off the bench? Quaresma? Yeah. The guy's uh, got talent, but. I think he's probably coming off the bench. I think you. Yeah. I, I mean, Bernardo Silva, I think, is a better player, so he'd rather have. Though, in a game like this. I'm not. Bernardo is a guy who kind of plays more cohesively with the team, whereas Quaresma is going to kind of do it himself. You might, you might need that. You might need that one bit of, you know, magic from someone to break down that back line. This game has zero, zero, 120 minutes written all over it. Jumping over to the other side, Spain, Russia. Um, I think Spain gets exactly what they want here, uh, <laughs> and I, I would expect them to beat Russia, but no things are certain. There's no certainty here, and I, and I will say this. If you remember when we did the previews, I mentioned that it would not shock me if Russia was to get some help in getting to this region. Now, they didn't need it. They absolutely destroyed Saudi Arabia. They they made a mess of Egypt. So, you know, they, they hardly needed any help. And it, I But I will say, it also would not surprise me if this game was close for 40 to 50 minutes and somewhere along the lines, the official makes a call that benefits the home team. Now... I don't – the benefits, at some point, they start kind of, you know, weighing themselves evenly. Like, Spain's a pretty big name around the world. So, Spain's probably going to do some pretty good TV numbers and will probably more than make up for any kind of Russian uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? A- antipathy would probably make up for any of that. So, I, I'm not saying I expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it because I have to tell you the truth. I'm stunned at the lack of – Russian bias by the officials thus far, at least from what I've seen in the games. I mean, do we really expect these officials to be paid off by Russia? I, mean, I didn't say are, paid off. I just said... I know, but I know, but that's they, kind of where... They know who's writing their checks. I mean, FIFA is. But yeah. If, FIFA... Now, like I said, now getting them to the... Getting them to the round of 16 was the, was the only reason that I would have fully expected it. At this point, if I see it, I'm going to be kind of surprised... Listen, I, I don't think that there's going to be... The only real, I think, bias a ref is going to have is when it comes from... You know, the fans getting on him, just getting a lot of pressure from the players, the fans yelling at him. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of intensity in that. But other than that, I'm, it's, you know, this it's not like this is going to be that much different than maybe, you know, the one in Brazil where, you know, they have the fans on their side and you can kind of get that little bit of a boost to call sometimes, you know, that whole home field advantage sometimes is influencing the ref. But other than that, I, I don't think we're going to see something too crazy. Yeah, uh, and let's not let's not bury the, the quote-unquote lead. Spain's got a better team than Russia. Let's not. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna sit here and try to make arguments for why Russia is gonna be able to pull this upset off. But I mean, let's. I mean, they've played well, honestly. Outside of that Uruguay game, it looked like they have some attacking power. I, my concern would be that for Spain, 
My concern would be that Spain, as you know, as good offensively as they were against Portugal, kind of out of necessity because of the shootout that that game ended up being. We saw them against Iran, and we saw them against Morocco, two teams that wanted to bunker in and hit you on the counter. That's what Russia's going to look to do here. And Spain, good as they are at passing the ball around and around and around and around, not necessarily all that great at breaking these teams down in the end because it took, if you remember, in the game against Iran, it took that big run by Iniesta cutting through and getting what was, as we talked about, a very lucky deflection, to be honest, off Diego Costa's foot. Against Morocco, they were down 2-1 and had to score a goal at literally the death of that game to even it up at 2-2. So I'm I'm just saying, it's if you wanted a path for Russia to win that game, that would have to be it right there, is to, is to look at the fact that Iran and Morocco have employed similar strategies to relative levels of success. I mean, Morocco tying Spain at the World Cup is a massive success for them. Iran being in that game against Spain for that long period of time was a pretty good step in the right direction for them yeah that's i mean listen we've seen that that's it's what russia's been doing they've been sitting back and then waiting and then they pounce and they go on a counter they they, they play direct they play into their forward whoever it is small over zuba uh they they're gonna have the big guy up there who's gonna try to hold it up for them they're gonna have guys in the wing they're gonna try to do stuff they're gonna hit some long shots it's gonna be it's gonna be direct and it's gonna be off the counter that's what they've done even against small teams so we're gonna see it again they have the size advantage. This is a big Russia team, but it's also they're not very quick. So Spain can probably get at them between the lines, turn and go, a uh, more agile team. All right, we move on then to Group C, where France finished on top with seven, Denmark in second with five, Peru with three, and Australia with one. This probably was a group that many people predicted to go this way. You know, as uninspiring at times as France were. They got the job done in every game that they needed to get the job done in. Denmark, again, I, I feel as if they were a bit outplayed by Peru in the first game that they played each other in. That kind of set the tone for the rest of the way for both teams. And, you know, Australia ending up with one point is yeah, about what I expected for them. So, like I said before, uh, Australia will also be turning their attention to the 2019 Asian Nation Cup and the... Peruvians will be heading to the Copa America next summer. I'm guessing, hoping to probably get a decent run in that because, you know, they'll feel they probably should have done better here. And I would argue they should have as well. They played pretty good in the two-thirds of the field. The problem is their finishing was, until the Australia game, absolutely horrific. Yeah, I think we've mentioned a couple times leading up to this that in a couple of these groups, there's kind of been one deciding game that's ever important. Sometimes beforehand, you can kind of pick it out. You know France is kind of the favorite here. You know Australia is the minnows. So you say, okay, Denmark, Peru, that game. Who wins that game goes through. And while Peru dominated, they lost the game, and that was that was it for them. Because otherwise, you had to get a good result against France, pretty much a win, and then against Australia, which is going to be tough. So um, there, that was the game. Uh, the first two were really, I mean... It was you had to take a point off of a big guy. It was pretty much in the first two groups. That was a chance for two middling teams to be able to get something going. Uh, France now, you know, again not convincing, but they you get it done, and that's what's important. I mean, it's I think it's uncommon in international stages to see complete group cohesion. You see at the club level because nobody has been playing together that long. That's true. And France are, for all intents and purposes, I believe the youngest team on average in this tournament, which is actually kind of crazy when you consider how highly they rated by many people around the world. All this said, I am 
I, I think they deserved it. They were they were probably the best team consistently. I worry, like you said about the cohesion. I worry that all that all the top because here's the thing, and you know I, we obviously live in the world where France and France defeated Australia two one. If anything goes slightly awry, any more awry in that game against Australia early on, and they finish one one in that draw, do you think that would? I mean, what do you think would have happened? Because then they would have drawn that first game one one with Australia, and suddenly every the I think the panic button would have started gone going off all over France because suddenly now they have two games against Peru and Denmark left, and they have one point. And they got to get a win, at least a win and a draw for the next two games. <laughs> now that's yeah. what ended up happening, but. And like I said, it's it's all speculation at that point, but it could have easily happened, and that's why I you know I see the seven points. They were the best team, but yeah, that, that's I mean you need things to go your way. You, I mean like that own goal from Australia was just a you know kind of crazy. So I can't, that's a Pogba goal. No, it wasn't. Oh my it, goodness! It, it came. Pogba stuck his foot out, but the defender pokes it away. They wouldn't have overturned that unless they had clear evidence. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't some this mass is, conspiracy yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's a shame Harry Kane didn't try to claim it. Harry Kane should have tried to claim it. I mean, anyone could have claimed it at that point. It was, it was, it wasn't clear who really got a shot on. I mean, that was probably the best own goal we've seen since the Women's World Cup last time around, where I think it was the French defender just skies it backwards thirty yards in their own net. <laughs> oh man, well that's triggering some memories there. Uh, so the other side then, the other side of these matchups, because France will be taking on Argentina and Denmark will face Croatia. Now Croatia winning this group fairly handily, scored Fair. seven goals. They were phenomenal. Scored seven goals, didn't give up only gave up one. And wow, I mean, yeah, when you put it like that, they absolutely dominated this group. Credit where it is due for them. And I will say that I was wrong. I, I, I said I wanted to see it, and they have shown me it. So my hat's off to Croatia, and Croatia will as well benefit, I believe, right, from being on that weak side of the bracket, as you mentioned. Yeah, the, I mean, the technical weaker side. We have the right side and the left side. Left side now with Argentina, France, Uruguay, Portugal. Right side, Spain, Russia, Croatia, Denmark. Right, so I you know Croatia getting a matchup against, you would think, right, assuming you get the result that everyone's expecting, which is Croatia to beat Denmark and then for Spain to beat Russia. That would be an interesting quarterfinal for Croatia because I, I do think they have what it takes to take down a Spanish team that is, uh, you know, again, for all as good as they were in the attack at times, they're pretty good. Croatia's pretty good and got pretty good defensively, pretty solid in the midfield. And all they're going to need is, you know, a couple chances maybe to put away in that Spanish third of the field. So, but, but anyway, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We do have, so like I said, Croatia absolutely deserved to win this group. I asked you when this happened before it happened, if Argentina were to go through, would they have earned it? And you said unequivocally, without any question, that if Argentina got the result they needed, they would absolutely deserve it. And here I am sitting here now. Argentina has four points. Nigeria has three. Iceland has one. And I can't get over the thought that maybe, just maybe, Argentina doesn't deserve this. I mean, listen, this we, we talked about deserving. We talked about playing well. And we talked about winning and getting results. Did Peru deserve it? I mean, they played well, but they deserve it. No, they didn't score. They didn't put the ball in the back of that, and they gave up goals. They ended with three points, which wasn't enough to go through. Argentina, win, draw, loss, four points, enough to go through. I know what we mean. They haven't exactly been thrilling, but they've dominated large periods of stretch. They have a lot of the ball. They look, like a lot of teams, uncreative. But 
in the end, they got the goals, they had more points, and they went through. Was it a handball? Absolutely. It was a handball that the, Ro- the header Rojo, into the arm? Yeah, Rojo heads it into his arm. We saw another penalty. I forget which game it was. But the forward heads it into the defender's arm in a similar position, and they call it. And I can't help but feel like, listen, you're the defender, you're jumping for a header, and the ball gets headed from a similar distance because you're right next to the forward, right into your hand, and they call the penalty. Here, you head into your own hand, and it's up in the air. Like, that's a blunder. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, things worked out. Um, the first penalty was, in my mind, not at all a penalty that um, – Victor Moses scored. Oh, yes. If you remember, Mascarano gets called for pulling the forward down. That was in very no, soft. In no world is that a penalty. I, I mean, like, it, we, it's every single corner kick. If you call that, then you have to call it every single one because there's that kind of holding going on every time. And rant. I'd say that's a fair assessment. Uh, Victor Moses does score that penalty and then proceeds to celebrate as if he scored the game-winning goal of the entire World Cup. But, hey. At the time. At the time, it was a pretty it big It was one. enough to put them through. So, I will, I will give him a pass on that. And then, uh, poor Iceland. Poor Iceland were actually still in it to the bitter end until Croatia kind of put the second one in front of uh, into the net, and uh, it just it just wasn't good enough from Nigeria in the sense that they didn't close the deal. Now I we talked about the header into the arm, regardless of that, and I can't remember who took the shot off that because if you remember the defender basically froze. I think it, was, it wasn't even a shot; it was like a clearance. The ball is lobbed into the box, and he tries to head it out, and it goes like straight back to Igalo. Yeah. Who, okay. So so it ends up at Igalo. That's who it was. And Igalo has a go. And absolutely. He, he misses the mark by a mile. So Which is, it was a great opportunity. He, it, was, it, it was a clear opportunity. I'll give him credit for this. He didn't jump up and start yelling handball right away. He actually continued the play, shot it, missed it by a mile, and then decided to start complaining for the handball, which he was very much fair to do so. I, I just I, I feel like you got to put that one away. There were other opportunities for Nigeria. And in the end, it's a great cross by Mercado. And, and Rojo, of all people. Someone in Argentina it. has to finish. I mean, listen, it's we're going to keep talking about it. It's always going to come up. This is the tournament format. This is how it works. You just got to get a result. You don't have to be pretty. You don't have to be you know, convincing. You got to get it done. And now we have France-Argentina. I would say France has been the more convincing side. If but, only just barely. But it's who can get it done. It's true. And I, and I look to this game and I say... Argentina has played Croatia, Nigeria, Iceland, three teams that have sat back and tried to hit on the counter. I don't see that from France. France is going to take the game to Argentina. They're going to try to possess. They have the better midfield. I think they have the more ability to control the pace of the game. But that means Argentina will have space on the counter. They'll have chances to get at France when they're least expecting it. Uh, So this could be some of the most creative play we see out of Argentina in the tournament. That game could be back and forth, honestly, because neither team's going to want, neither team's able to sit back on. If we're being honest with ourselves, France would be better uh, suited because of their personnel. They have Conte playing in front of a back line, uh, Untiti and Varane, uh, Varane, who are, you know, pretty good defenders. Their fullbacks, if healthy and then, you know, steady, will, are also pretty good. So it's, it, France would be better suited. But like you said, France's not going to do it. There's no reason for France no. to want to do it. So Argentina can't. Argentina cannot afford to sit back on the, and try to hit on the counter. Their defense is far too weak to even think about it. But honestly, I wouldn't be too adverse to it if I was them. We got, I mean, honestly, well, we're not going to get there. We're not going to get there with the whole tactics thing. I think between Otamendi, Fazio, Rojo, Mascarano, they have center backs. Their fullback, wingback situation, different story. But they have Bilia. They do have Mascarano if he plays in the midfield. 
I mean, I don't think they can handle a guy like Griezmann for 90 minutes. Someone like Mascarano, who's probably going to be in that part of the field. Yikes. Uh, or but, Mbappe or Dembele. But I'm going to go ahead and say that this is probably, for me, the most exciting matchup of this round. Oh, it is for sure going to be something to witness tomorrow. Uh, I, you know, far be it from me to doubt how exciting a game between two world powers like that could be. So uh, I'm ready for it. And, uh, and on the other side, I think, sorry, to, <laughs> it's kind of the opposite. It's it's probably one of the maybe the second least exciting. Um, probably more exciting in terms of you know it's it is kind of up in the air. Croatia, I feel like haven't really been into this stage for a while. So how do they react? And Denmark will probably sit back and defend and try to hit on the counter. Can Croatia deal with that? Because they really haven't had to yet much yet. It's true. I I, I don't know. I think Croatia just. I think Croatia is just so much more talented. I that, I think they should. It would just take. It would take an absolute amazing performance from well everybody obviously on Denmark, but more importantly Christian Eriksen. I, I almost I almost feel bad for him in the sense that. I know for a fact that if they get if they want any shot at that, Ericsson's gonna have to play amazingly. And same thing with that defense is gonna and, have to deal with. And against the Croatian midfield, that is gonna be a nightmare Absolutely. at times for them. They their service has been I, I've seen poor. If I'm being honest, Denmark's service hasn't been great. They've they they've looked overmatched at times. Like I said, you know, I thought Peru took them to the cleaners. Yeah. For most of that game, but they just couldn't. They they didn't. They for whatever reason didn't want to pay. The lady sitting at the uh, the register. So you know the transaction never happened to the cleaners, and so Denmark turned it around <laughs> on them. And I just I, I don't know. I, I may I maybe I, I'm finding it hard to quantify exactly what I think of Denmark. It's just kind of there. And the, the, no disrespect to them, they absolutely deserve to be here, as you mentioned. I, they got it done m- more so than Argentina in my book. But I mean, hey, five points in that group is no no shame whatsoever. Especially now, I will say this as well. I was a little appalled by their zero-zero draw with France. That I I didn't watch much of it because of the uh, start time and how little was actually on the line. But I mean, you got your zero-zero. You finally got a zero-zero. And I mean, honestly, when the tournament started, if I had told you that would be the first zero-zero, I don't know if I'd believe you. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I believe you now. I don't think I'd believe you. Well, I wouldn't believe it because I'd say, yeah, we're not getting to that game, and that that one's going to be the zero-zero, and it was the only one. So I don't I don't know I don't know what to think of Denmark and I, I didn't really know what to think of them coming in I just thought I I liked Peru because their style I thought you know excited me and I really thought they had the better team but you know like I said that's how these things go and so but I think this is the end of the road for them I don't I don't think they have enough quality to take down Croatia yeah. who was just, I just think is really good and Croatia again they've looked great tactic the only shame for them will be that they ended up on the same side as Spain because otherwise I could easily be talking about a run to the semifinals for them because they're better. They're better equipped to take on anybody on this side of the bracket, except for maybe Spain, who is I, uh, who I think is the favorite. I but think they can take Spain. I think they can too, but I'm just let's, saying. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. It gets that we'll we'll cover that when we cover I keep that. Saying that. I keep saying not to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, here but I am. I think that's what it. we're expecting is a Croatia Spain quarterfinal. And on the other side, because we kind of have this laid out, I am gonna go with Uruguay versus Argentina. Oh my goodness! You know what? I gotta do it. I know, I know, I've been singing Uruguay's praises, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty big on France on in terms of just the talent that they have on the roster. But I need it. I need the Argentina Portugal game. Uh, you need the Messi Ronaldo. Messi Ronaldo. I mean, how quarterfinals can you say no? of the World Cup. First of all, 
big TV ratings. Very How can big. I deny Very that? Big. So, it, to me, now, again, let's not get too far down the rabbit hole on that one. But every eyeball, it, did anybody that has ever watched a soccer game would hear that Messi versus Ronaldo at the World Cup. Literally everything on the line. If when loser goes home, winner goes to the semifinals. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm there. I think that a lot of people are gonna would be there. I'm partial too. I don't know if anyone's been what, seeing the World Cup and seeing these Gatorade commercials with uh, Suarez <laughs> and Messi. I'm, I can't. If this, if the Uruguay Argentina prediction does come through that I have, all I know is I'll be watching that game and I'll be saying over and over, Messi, what's your relationship with Suarez? Complicado. Complicado. <laughs> You're a man of driving, the people. I'll be driving people crazy. You're a man of the people. Moving on to Group E. We have e. to get there. We have to get there first, and so we'll see how that plays out. Group E features Brazil with seven, Switzerland with five, Serbia with three, Costa Rica with one. I think that it's safe to say this is about what we expected from Costa Rica, who will uh, play in the Gold Cup next summer. I also forgot to mention Iceland and Nigeria. Nigeria, same deal as all the other African teams in Iceland. Get to uh, move on to that UEFA Nations League thing. They get some time off at least. Yeah. And uh, also European Championship qualifying will be starting before you know it. Then Serbia, same deal for them. Switzerland and Brazil. Now, Brazil, again, could have been eliminated on the last day. I think they the quality showed there. that you know, Some pressure, not a lot. I, I, I think that it's safe to say that the jitters were kind of gone after they were finally able to break down Costa Rica at the end of that game. I think that they took on Serbia with a lot of you know, a lot of confidence because they, they looked good for most of that game, and they turned on the flair. They turned on the attack when they needed to. Their defense was a little shaky at times. Serbia definitely Serbia definitely had a chance to get back in that game, and just couldn't do it. And it's what you know again it has Serbia out and Brazil on top of this group, and then you have Switzerland, who just sort of exists in the same way that Denmark's just sort of exists. Now, there is a, there is a little more quality on Switzerland. This, this is a better Switzerland side across the board. The, I mean, I take the Switzerland team over Denmark, I think, any day of the week. Switzerland is, again and again, over underrated by so many people. They're ranked very highly on ELO rankings, which I know is not anything to actually go by if you, know, you actually want to look at these teams. But, I mean... They, they've gotten it done every step of the way. This Costa Rica game was basically meaningless for them. Um, the, the best thing they could have gotten out of it was they would be beating Costa Rica and Brazil would be tying or losing to Serbia. But then that would put them on their left side, a.k.a. the hard side of the bracket. I think they're exactly where they want to be. Uh, and they, I think they have exactly what it takes to make uh, an impact uh, in at least the first two games of of the of the next round. Well, look, they they certainly will not be complaining about their matchup. Interestingly enough, so from that other side, we move on to Group F. Sweden wins the group after all that. Sweden won the group and will be facing I Switzerland. In the told next you round. not to sleep on Sweden. I, I guess I shouldn't have. Now, according to Zlatan, if you all remember, he said that if he said that if you know Sweden Sweden will do well in this World Cup but if they had Zlatan they'd win the World Cup so uh, he was joking you love that line I, lo- I do love you that love line it's that funny line. it's funny for him to just infer in first referring to himself that way and just being that's his thing though. doing his thing well yeah but doing his thing and then just saying yeah you know Sweden will do well in this World Cup but they would win it with Zlatan uh, uh, you know what everyone slept on Sweden we you know both of you and I had this group half right I remember we all had Germany winning it RIP Germany 
And then you had Mexico, I had Sweden. Um, turned out Germany was the bottom of the table here. Yeah, so clearly we were all sleeping on South Korea as well. Uh, yeah, this one, this one went very, very interestingly. We'll start with Germany. Let's give... I know we haven't talked too much about the teams that have been eliminated, but Germany absolutely warrants a discussion in terms of what went wrong. I have to imagine Yogi Love is on his way out the door sooner rather than later. I'm honestly kind of surprised it hasn't already happened, but... I think he'll announce his resignation soon. I can't imagine him sticking around. That's just not the way these things work. It might work be after the World around Cup. Around the world. I don't know. Uh, uh, Yogi Love for U.S. men's national team manager? Anybody? Hey, we already had one World Cup winning manager with uh, Jurgen Klinsmann and see how that turned out. Dave Sarikin's contract was extended to the end of the year, so nobody get too excited. Uh, yeah, so anyway, yeah, Germany. I mean, look, the, the lack of a true number nine. We talked about it a little bit, and we almost downplayed it because we said, oh, it's just Germany. They'll figure something out. But it's what knocked them out of the Euros, and it's now clearly what's keeping them out of the World Cup. At least it's one of the things here because they were their attack was wasn't great, right? They didn't finish they didn't finish anything they had against Mexico. And yes, there were some big saves and there were some good defensive plays in there. But at the end of the day, they got shut out by Mexico. That game against Sweden, they were literally seconds away from having drawn that game, and they were they were desperate at times. Just try, and it took an absolutely amazing goal just to put it in the net in the first place. And then finally, they couldn't even score on South Korea, who again had a goalkeeper, you know, what is standing on his head? Is that what, yep. they, that what they say? I, the goalkeeper had some incredible saves. That man will be receiving a fruit basket sooner rather than later for myself. For his and Mexican tremendous, fans all over the world, as he should, because he looked fantastic in that game. But listen, let's let's bring it back a little bit. We're in the last game here. Mexico is getting housed by Sweden. I cannot believe that happened, but go on. Second goal goes in against Mexico. Yep. Germany has about 15 minutes left. I think every Mexican fan is thinking, oh, no. Germany is going to score a goal. The second, They're going to get it done. The second goal went in, and I had resigned myself to the fate because I said, it's over. It was over. It I, was over. I think everyone thought that. And it was a... And everyone so, except South Korea. So you mention uh, the nine. I think there were so many other problems. Well, there were. Then the nine that we're gonna that we're gonna have to gloss over, and I'm just gonna list them a little bit. They didn't really have a true number six. Um, they never really had any width. They didn't have a guy who was re- who ever really had what it takes to go one on one with someone to spread the game out. They don't want to hit a long ball, a diagonal. Everything was a five yard pass. We could go on. It's a it's they a real shame. Good, it's a real shame. Enough. It's a real shame that Germany has none of those players in the pool. It, it is an actual shame, honestly. I mean. It's yeah. playing at one of the top clubs in the world. Yeah, what a, what an absolute shame. Look, I, we said it before. I'm going to say it again. Nobody nobody should be saying, oh, well, if they took Leroy Sané, things would have been different. Because at the end of the day, Leroy Sané is good. He ain't that good. Let, let's let's be very clear about that. But it's, here we are. Here we are, right? And we can say whatever we, we want say, about it because it happened. We told you so. So, yeah, Germany, the big surprise so far. I mean, as a team... I'm going to bring it back to Shambles. another motif I've mentioned. Team most likely to self-destruct. I got this one wrong. It turns out it was Germany this time around. Who I, saw that? Who coming? could have believed it though? Yeah. We all with the German machine, the German way. I, look, it is what it is. It was an absolute implosion. We had reports coming out that the team was fed up with Mesudozo, that there was a lot of dysfunction within that squad. It's incredible to think, but it happens. And I think it should be a lesson for every team in every country out there. In the future, when these things happen to your team, because they will, country, club, your local YMCA team that plays on Sundays, whatever the case may be, these things happen. 
it's just it's it just does and it doesn't mean that oh it doesn't suddenly mean that germany has to make wholesale changes outside of their manager who i assume will be need to change but you see where i'm going with this right like just because germany now has fallen out of the world cup doesn't mean that everybody needs to start hitting the panic button everything needs to be flopped around this changes need to be made a lesson a lesson in patience these things happen. There'll be some turnover. Players will. They absolutely, there absolutely will be some turnover. Players will be moved around. Young guys will be given a chance, and that's fine. I mean, listen, we saw the three World Cups in a row. Italy wins the World Cup, knocked down the group stage. Spain wins the World Cup, knocked down the group stage. Germany wins the World Cup, knocked down the group stage. Maybe it's something we'll see in the future. The curse. It's, it, yeah, it's a curse, and it's fun. So Germany, don't 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 take it too harsh. And, uh, uh, I will be penciling in my 2022 World Cup bracket. Whoever wins it immediately knocked out of the group stage. You can yeah. At this point, we have to expect it. So we have right now on the left side, the hard side, Brazil, Mexico. I know oh, you're super stoked about that gosh. one. And on the right side, the easy side, Sweden versus Switzerland. The battle of the names that I seem to mix up a lot. So you know, it'll be happening. I again. cannot wait for some of this. I'm sure plenty of signs around the world will be absolutely like just puzzled as to how one team can be playing itself in the round of 16 but you know like i said that game that game could get ugly too let's be honest with ourselves there's the way sweden sweden's technical ability is um questionable to say the least so we will see kind of what happens there again i would favor switzerland by a pretty decent margin but then again what do i know right nobody nobody picks sweden to do anything in this group hey 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 here's what i'm gonna say listen up I think Sweden has done it so far. They've beaten France. They beat the Netherlands. They beat Italy. They Well, they lost to Germany, but they helped knock out Germany. This uh, team should not be overlooked. They've gotten this far, and this is probably a bit of a trap game for them in certain ways because uh, I feel like they might think they can take the game to Switzerland, and they'll be really unpleasantly surprised if that happens. <laughs> yeah, no kidding on that front. Switzerland should dominate the ball. They should dominate possession. I do think that the Swedish size is going to make the difference here. And I'm, I have Sweden again. Our, you know, my boss hates it. He hates Sweden. He, he wants Sweden out because of the way they play. But, oh my God, they get it done. That's true. And the, at the end of the day, that really is all it's about in these tournaments. The last thing, you mentioned it in passing, Brazil and Mexico. I'm going to keep this short because come – Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever the next time we do this is after the round of 16 has concluded. We will be talking about uh, a game between Brazil and Mexico. I have zero earthly idea of how it's going to go. I have envisioned it in my mind about six times now, and I can assure you every single time things went very differently. I have I, I've, I've, I have visions of them winning Mexico. I have visions of them absolutely getting housed. I have visions of a game that goes to penalties where Mexico unfortunately gets eliminated again in penalties. I, I've seen it all, right? I can I can picture this game going a hundred different ways, but I can tell you one thing. If Mexico plays anywhere close to the way they did against Sweden, they might they they I honestly think they're better off not showing up. They better not even show up take if they're the, going to play Take like the 3 nothing forfeit. Take the 3 nothing forfeit because, my Bold. goodness, if I have to watch Mexico get destroyed again by a team. Remember, that 7 nothing destruction by Chile. That beat down by Germany at the Confederations Cup. It, it's just, it has not been pretty. When, Me- when it rains, it pours in Mexico. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, by the way, that is true. That is a fact over there. It, when it rains, it pours, both literally and figuratively. I... 
I don't want to see that. If if they have to lose and they they lose, you know, a two nothing where they were fighting to the bitter end, then so be it. But my goodness, if the team that showed up against Sweden shows up against Brazil, I am going to lose my mind because it's it, it will be further proof to me that they clear that clearly there's just no way around this. They're always going to play four games at the World Cup, and that's it. I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, I know our discussion. When it comes around, no matter what happens, will be, be 15 times longer. So <laughs> I really look forward to that. I know everyone else does. We're oh going to move goodness. on once again to Group G, where there is no surprises. Belgium topped the group off with nine points. England, six. Tunisia, three. Panama, lonely. Panama, minus nine goal difference oh, of zero. Oh, my goodness. Minus nine goal difference, Panama. At least they scored look, twice. Looking good for CONCACAF. Oh. So... Again, where would the U.S. have placed in this group? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Let's not go there. Yeah, at least fourth. Oh my god, oh, there you go. I there mean, it, go. okay. Again, this is what we expected. We think Belgium's probably the strongest team. England not that far behind, depending on when they're on their day. Uh, that game between them was kind of like a who wants it less. That game was awful. So objectively, the worst, one of the worst games of the tournament. Um. That's all I have here. I, yeah, this... well, there's nothing more to say, right? Like, Belgium played very well. They executed their game plan perfectly. I have to admit that they... Roberto Martinez looked mad when Yanezai scored. It was almost like he didn't want to win. Yeah, hard to blame him in some respects. But anyway, yeah, it worked out in the end. Look, you played a win, right? I, I can't... Here's the thing. Not so much for Belgium. I might have understood it for Belgium. Because this is a team that kind of needs to start winning some knockout stage games to start validating this, you know, sexy dark horse pick who is the turn favorite, right? For me, Gareth Southgate, I, I stumbled upon a quote of his before the tournament started. He said that they were there to win. Well, Mr. Southgate, I know I know that it makes it makes some sense to rotate guys in that final game. I'm not against that. I'm not against giving people a chance to play because you never know when you're going to need those guys. And you're telling me like two weeks into the tournament, some of those guys haven't played and then they have to come off the bench and you expect them to perform. That's tough. That, that's not easy. But what I will say is that subbing on, who did they, they didn't, sub, they, not subbing Danny on, Welbeck. not subbing on Harry Kane down a goal. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm not. Listen, I know, I know you, you want to win. Don't tell me. No, I, I would have been okay with it if he hadn't said that. If he hadn't said that they came to win, I'd say, oh, all right, then they, eh, whatever. But he, what? he, he but comes out and says it. Of course it. he says he wants to win. Who goes to the World Cup wanting to lose? Nobody said they wanted to no, plenty, okay. plenty of teams don't go in there expecting to win. Trust nobody, me. Nope, yeah, but nobody goes there saying we came to lose. We, we came to tie. No, 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 no. No, no people go did. there. Nobody asked, nobody asked him. Nobody asked him, uh, are you guys here to win? No, he, he, he came out and was basically like, no, 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 this is a different English we're, we're here to win. Yeah, because the other English teams wanted to lose. Listen, I, I get what you mean. They didn't really seem like they wanted that game all that much. <laughs> much? How about at all? No, neither team wanted it, okay? Here's the, here's the fact of the matter. Neither of these teams really were threatened or pushed to the brink yet. We're going to see it next time. I know one of the games is maybe slightly easier, um, but it, it, it's now. Now, is now or never. We haven't really seen any threats to this Belgian or England si English sides, now we're going to say it. And now we're going to see what they're made of. Well, we're gonna, explain is that. We're going to see what England's made of because I tell you what, if Hamas right now, this is a big if. We're going to jump to Group H, by the way. You know, Colombia, uh, Japan, Senegal, Poland is how it finishes. And we will talk about these difference between second and third here in just a second. But England and Colombia. England is now, because of their apathy, 
and they're stuck. And I know they didn't know this, obviously, because you know, Group H games were played last. Or no, they weren't. No, the Group H games were played first, weren't they? So they they knew. They knew who was in second place, and they still didn't want it. I'm uh, hey, that's that. Pick your poison, do whatever you want. England, if James Rodriguez can play, now that's a big if, because without James, Colombia looked desperate. So if James plays, England are in for a rough awakening against Colombia. I'm with you, Colombia. I think this is a stronger team. We've mentioned this than um, their last time. They did have a good run to the quarterfinals. This is a stronger Colombia side, but. Without Hamas, they look a little bit more out of ideas. Without Hamas, I think I'd rather have Senegal on standby. If if Hamas is out, then just have Senegal play instead. Juan Quintero has been okay. Uh, he's better standing than anyone else they have at any anywhere who can play ten. If they it, uh, just to make a point here, if they if they want to win without Hamas, it's going to take a lot more from some other people, right? Uh, you know, you're going to need something out of Falcao. You're going to need some good runs from Quadrado, and more importantly, I you know I've been a little disappointed with Mateus Uribe's play. I, I picked him as one of the players that I wanted to look out for in this turn because I thought it was a good chance for him to you know, show some things. He's gotten some pretty good playing time because of the way things have ended up shaking out for them. And I haven't been all that impressed with him. So I, again, if, if Hamas can't play, I, I'm going to need him to step up because I know it's, it's a little it's bit everyone. a bit of an ask. Yeah, like, and it's a team thing for sure. But man, Hamas goes out of that game and it's they're, they're lifeless. But they win. Yeri Mina with the header. Um, so, listen, no matter who you are, you come, you don't come into the World Cup to say, ooh, we can play uh, Sweden or Switzerland in our next round, and then we have an easy path to the semifinals. Because that's how you go out and you lose in your very first game. You go in saying, I don't care who we're playing, we're getting into the next round, and we're winning. Okay? Uh, I Listen, I don't know what's been, what's been said in the English camp. It didn't seem like they... I don't think they went out and saying, okay, listen, we're going to throw this game because this side of the bracket's easier. I think the coach did know that nothing was on the line. I think he thought, okay, it doesn't really, we don't really care where we finish, uh, we're, so we're going to go out. Maybe this side is easier, so if we lose, we're not too worried about it. Let's go out there and just get some guys some experience. Uh, look, a bold move by the English. I hope it doesn't work out for them because I the meltdowns by the English uh, media are the most amusing things in the world. Because, you know, it's it was supposed to be the team of no expectations uh, among them. That was that was all that was the big buzzword. Like, oh, it's a ha- it's a likable England. It's a it's a nice England. Eh, we'll see. So the other one, Japan, Belgium. Uh, I wish Japan much luck. I wish them m- much much luck because uh, I I don't see how that one's gonna go for them at all. Uh, Japan, one of the teams that honestly advanced, and I I just still don't understand why. Uh, Senegal actually missing out here, not because of points, not because of goal difference, not because of goals scored, not because goals against. Senegal miss out because of that pesky last tiebreaker. Before, remember we talked about we wanted to see someone a draw of the lots. You wanted to see. Well, okay, it. fine. I wanted to see it. So I like when to watch, watch the world the burn. World. Yeah. Okay. Well, we almost had it here because Japan and Senegal came down to the fair play marker, and in the end, Senegal six yellow cards to Japan's four end up eliminating them. Now. I, I want let's just talk about this briefly. Do you have any ideas on how to fix this? Because this yeah, I, okay. there's so many things you can do. Throw it to me. Think okay, just think about how many other stats you can do. Such as um, Taylor Twelman throughout goals from the run of play. That was my favorite goals from the run of play. Uh, but like you know, you, I would I would take any other stat. Passes completed, <laughs> oh, shots on target. No, passes completed would tackles be tackles completed. Oh, 
anything that indicates that a team is is doing stuff. Yeah. Sh- shots. Yeah, shots, shots, shots on target. I could live with shots. I can live with shots. I'm not like passes. That's a little. And you brought up which have a penalty shootout. Yeah, have the teams meet on a parking lot somewhere. Have a penalty shootout. I don't care. <laughs> that that terrible. that might be a little hard this to arrange. A terrible but way to mean. do it. This was this is unfortunate for Senegal, who I feel deserved to go through. But eh, that's the way these. Hey, things they go. lost that last game. It's true. They didn't. Nobody was, forced them to lose that last game. Their hands, and they let it go. That said, uh, there was one other thing. I know. Oh yeah. Oh that the other thing. I understood completely Japan because remember Poland and Japan were playing right, and I understand Japan not wanting to do anything at that point because somebody on the sideline clearly told them, "Guys, guys, Colombia's winning. Let's nobody do anything stupid because if this result holds, we're through. We can't give up another goal." What I can't exactly comprehend is what on earth Poland was thinking at the end of that one. For ten minutes, Poland basically said, "Yeah, it's fine. Just pass it around. We'll just just pass it around in the back. We have no sense of pride here. Yeah, we're winning the game, so it's fine." I mean, I'm if, not okay with that. So here's the thing, right? You want to beat your first opponent is always the team you're playing against. So I don't. So I think you do want to eliminate the team you're playing against. You want to beat the team you're playing against. They did one of these things. To be fair, has we seen anything out of Poland to make them think they were playing with any pride? I don't know. Well, I right? guess not. I I guess we thought too much of them. Uh, I, well, I didn't think anything of them, and yet they somehow still managed to not exceed that expectation because they looked awful in the first two games, and then they were kind of looking decent against Japan, and they go and do that. So my congratulations to Poland for showing up and basically slapping any fan that went to that game in the end because they said, eh, whatever. I mean, I mean we'll capitulate. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I I would if I was to Poland, I would say no. We want to take Japan to the cleaners. What, what right? do you have to lose? You're already out. Show some pride. Go after them. Knock them out. Yeah, I, it's when when you're in this situation and you kind of get to pick who gets out. You always go for the team you're playing against. Yeah, because because oh, that's that's what you can control. I was I was just disgust- I was honestly I, I see what you're talking that. about. Uh, we think Belgium's stronger here. Than Japan, but again, you think, uh, yeah, but again, this is going to be probably the Belgium's biggest challenge. I don't think that England, the England Belgium game, I don't think it told us anything because there was very few starters in. So, um, we'll I'm see. Ready. I'm ready for the knockout stage. Um, so what we did for the knockout stage, um, we tried to rank how we thought each team uh, lined up tactically and technically. And so we're going to kind of give a rundown about where we think these teams are, uh, you know, compared to each other. Uh, when we say tactical, we mean things that are kind of off the ball, positioning, runs, uh, formations. Management, yeah. Things like things you would associate with management, but of course have to be executed by the players. Uh, technical things that the players do while on the ball, uh, both offensively and defensively. So that's, you know, dribbling, shooting, passing, uh, but then also heading the ball and making tackles, uh, slide tackles, standing tackles. So uh, let's start out with uh, our tactical best team. Yeah, so we, we agree. I think Spain, especially when you consider that their manager literally wasn't the manager of this team when this tournament was three days away, you got to give it to them in that sense because they've gone and executed the game plan perfectly. Anything that can score goals while keeping that much of the ball. is It's incredible. So and it, I know I mentioned that I wasn't a fan of necessarily the end product, but you can't argue with the system. I If they get it right, I, they're almost untouchable. Right. After that, we've got the likes of Croatia, Uruguay, Sweden. Again, all teams that kind of have come in, they're not they're not all that great offensively. Croatia probably better than Uruguay or Sweden going forward, at least in terms of watchability. But 
tactically, you can't argue at all with Croatia did. Every opponent they faced, they adapted their game plan just perfectly for. You consider what Uruguay did. Uruguay playing in a group of weak teams, they didn't change. They didn't say, oh, we're going to take the game to them and then risk themselves to a counterattack. No, they they yep. did They did exactly what you want to do in that situation. They dominated when they needed to. And then Sweden, look, it's, it's going to get hard. I don't love it, but yeah, it's true. They got it done. They, absolutely, they, they took Germany to the absolute brink when Germany absolutely needed that result. And they absolutely took Mexico to the cleaners, as disgusting as that is to say. It's true. They've, 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 they got, they've gotten it right. They're probably one of the least talented teams, technically, that we've seen. And you'll get to that but uh, tactically, next. But tactically, they've gotten it right. They've figured it out. And that's why they finished first in such a difficult group. It's true. Five, we have Brazil. We think uh, Chiche has uh, a pretty good control of this team that we haven't really seen in recent years from Brazil. Uh, so kind of the... It, it it spells kind of a scary result for who they're playing against because if <laughs> if sorry about that Mexico well but, if, they're, if they're on their game I don't know how much Mexico's gonna be able to do about it exactly and I think we kind of saw that against Serbia who seemed to almost be out of ideas by the end six Portugal uh, I mean you just take one look at winning zero games in regulation during Euros and winning the whole thing uh, they <laughs> yeah. they basically picked up where they left off there and are saying yeah well Ronaldo might pick us up pick us up a goal here or there but we're gonna defend. Yep, and then seven England. Uh, <laughs> I almost want to put them last or second to last after that yeah, performance. After that performance, but you can't argue. You can't argue with what they did leading up to that. I'm th- you have to. Th- I'm honestly. I'm just throwing the third game out the window because nobody took that game seriously. Very clearly. Yeah. So I'm just focusing on the first two games. There's nothing I can argue against. They did everything that you would have expected them to do. The only thing I will say is that they let Tunisia go after them. After they got ahead in that first game. And if Hurricane doesn't score that header again, living in an alternate reality for a minute, who knows how things would have gone. But again, hard to argue with Garrett Southgate and how he's had his players lined up. Their formation is, I still think, taking advantage of the best of everybody available. Absolutely. You have the Denmark-Switzerland kind of duo. I'm not sure I have too much that would sw- that would uh, separate them. I might actually switch them. but I, I, Yeah, I was looking I at this just now. I don't know if I, I'm all in with Denmark tactically. They haven't really proved it very much, but they're they are here. But they're here, and so like I said, this is this. I think this is actually the best way to illustrate the point I was making earlier. When I said I don't think too much of Denmark, I just don't feel like I understand why they're still here. I guess this would be why, right? Because again, I'm not I'm not blown away by anything they do, and yet everything they did, hanging in there when Peru was you know absolutely trying to blow the front door away, they're still here. So yeah. in that sense, I think it's working. Uh, yeah, I think maybe Switzerland would deserve that, but it's it's, it's semantics at that point. You have Belgium, yep. whose tactics have been interesting. Uh, I, I keep mentioning the left wing back thing. Same deal though, I think, as England in the sense that the first two games are all you can really look at, and they dominated those. So. But but we're going with here is we're putting Belgium tenth out of sixteen because their they, opponents they haven't shown us enough. But unlike England, uh, we do think uh, when we're putting on our managerial caps here. That they have flaws that have been that haven't exactly been uh, tested. Tested, and so something we're looking forward to forward as being their biggest weakness. Uh, I put eleventh for Mexico. Everyone out there know I fought hard to put Mexico even higher. I think they were they were lower. I think they were as low as thirteenth at one I, point. I was fighting for Mexico the whole time. I got absolutely berated for a while. I there. honestly think they should belong at eight, but they, the, the pro- so they did. They got everything right against Germany. But, you know, my argument here was that Mexico, you know, a lot of teams got everything right against Germany when it comes down to it. It's sit back and they couldn't figure anything out. Uh, they beat Korea, uh, but they against the Sweden team, they were dreadful. So that one really dragged them down. Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio, it, I think we figures it out and we 
come back to this. <laughs> if they if Mexico beats Brazil, Mexico's jumping to first. I think it'd be hard to not put them in the out of the last eight in the, at least the top three. Twelfth, uh, Colombia. Uh, we kind of a late add because Tech, yeah, things they, they weren't in when we yesterday. first made the list. But here's the other thing too. Same the the reverse of the point I was making. Without Hamas, they look lost. And what does that tell me? It's a team with no tactics. If, yeah. if one player leaving the team, who Hamas is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like there's. This isn't like if if Christian Eriksen left Denmark, I would say, oh my god, poor poor Denmark, right? Yeah. Like what would they even do? Seriously? Come on, Colombia. He's he's a good player. He's not that good. So, but here's the thing that Colombia has is they do. I think. Uh, they have a better defense than I think uh, many times is realized. Yerry Mina, Davinson Sanchez, Santiago Arias at right back has kind of quietly been uh, a, like a, a, a force a force back there, a, a stalwart. So uh, Colombia, not exactly entirely convincing. Whether at 12th, um, then we move on to France, 13, Russia, 14. These ones you could look at as maybe unfair, but France, given the talent they have, uh, it seems like Didier Deschamps doesn't really have a clue how he's setting up this team. No uh, kidding. Russia, uh, you know, again they got it right against Egypt and Saudi Arabia, but like it, it didn't it didn't really impress anyone all that much when it came down to their opponents. So we'll see from them how they deal with Spain. Uh, again, I'll say maybe those are unfair. Maybe those could be pushed up because I mean you have to get your tactics right in some way to even be here. Well, yeah, but at some point we also if we're making a list. Right, I mean, at some point somebody had to finish 16th. Yeah, and yeah. what we have here is 15th Argentina, 16th Japan. I think you can make a solid argument that Argentina should be 16th. Uh, <laughs> Japan again, they kind of got in despite themselves losing the last game. They, I mean, listen, they they beat Colombia because of a red card in the third minute and two set pieces, and they kind of scrapped away against Senegal to get a draw. That's the only reason they're here. I don't think, given what they have, I don't think they play to their strengths. Argentina convinced me. That they have anything right tactically, oh. and I'll tell you that. Oh my goodness! Well, you're seeing something I don't see. Well, yeah. Look, I mean, you talked about it when the last one. You wanted Benega to start, and it looked to me like he actually was working out pretty well in there. So, give yourself some credit for that. But more importantly, I just everything they do just boggles the mind. That last game ended, and Dybala wasn't on the field. <laughs> Icardi's still at home. Well, you can't really change that one, but there, <laughs> just, there's something. Higuain skies an effort. Oh, I mean, that, again, that's a technical mistake. But <laughs> yeah. tactically, they look lost. Thankfully for them, Messi props them up in the technical department. Which is what we're going to go to next. Yay, segue. Uh, segue, we have first, technically, Brazil. I just look across the board. Hard to argue. Their execution uh, is phenomenal. Again, in the games they've been on, so pretty much outside of the like the last 60 minutes of the Switzerland game, essentially, it's unquestionable what they've done. And I, I do want to mention that when we talk about technical, it's not just offensive, it's defensive. I look at Thiago Silva, Miranda, uh, now Felipe Luiz with Marcelo looking a little injured. These are guys... It's only going to strengthen the defense, to be honest with you. These are guys who are hard tacklers strong headers of the ball against that Serbia team. They never look like they were going to get boss in the air, except for maybe Fagner, the, the diminutive right back. So Brazil, despite the fact that Spain, you know, if they played, would probably control most of the possession. I think Brazil technically is adept on both sides of the ball, which brings us to Spain at second, uh, given that they can just dominate every game uh, with the ball is enough for me. I think defensively, yeah. uh, PK and Ramos are susceptible one-on-one uh, t- making tackles. But they're good headers of the ball, uh, and they are good on the ball offensively. So 
uh, not too far away second there. Yeah, no, they, they they definitely, I think, deserve that kind of ranking. When you look at Belgium, again, we talked about their opponents not being great, but we have them third, by the way. I just It's also hard to argue. They also won all three games. Even with, even their B squad took out England B. Yeah. I mean, like, you can go across the board and you just think, like, Hazard, Lukaku, uh, Mertens, who I think is highly underrated. Uh, De Bruyne. De Bruyne. Uh, yeah, even so the, the list goes I, on. I, I, could, I don't want to keep going. The, the but. list goes on and on, right? So, that, but the, the point is, execution-wise, it's hard to argue against. Yeah, Same goes for that. France. As as much as I kind of wanted to try, take away and give you an idea of why Argentina isn't all that massive of an underdog, they're still pretty good technically. France are. Same with Argentina, where we have listed at five. five Both teams have way too many talented players not to list them here because the worst thing I can say about France is that their their the game plan doesn't seem to be fitting their you know the strengths and so it seems like sometimes there's a big disconnect between the midfield and the forwards between the defense and the midfield it doesn't always feel like it's a cohesive unit but when they're what individually when we start looking at players it's hard for me to find anybody that's not doing you know at least something that right. has the ability to do exactly what you need in that position. For, for example, N'Golo Conte has had a tournament of a lifetime. He's had a career of a lifetime. He's, yeah, he's, 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 he's an absolute force in that midfield. It's not going to get noticed. It's, it's not the, the stat lines just aren't sexy. But you see his, you see the numbers, the tackles he's putting in. You don't have to be that much of a, of a, of a soccer whiz to see that that, wow, that, that, that man covers that, a lot of ground. That short man is everywhere, isn't he? Yes, <laughs> yes quick. he is. So same, same goes for Argentina. That short man is everything. For them, he's everything. Maybe not everywhere. Yeah, Walker at times. Argentina has talent. We went through it and kind of thought, oh, their midfield isn't that good. It's not that good, but at the same time, it's also not. It's not bad. Like it's. Aver Banega is very good. As long as he's playing, it's actually a pretty decent one. Mascherano. I was trying to make the argument that Mascherano has clearly lost a few steps, and so you know his technical ability has clearly dropped. There's no denying his IQ on the field is still great. And I, 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 I kind of defended him with, listen, this is a guy who played at Barcelona. He's great on the ball. He's a hard tackler. He wins his headers. Uh, he does seem to, as he's getting older, have some more mental lapses, though. Uh, some bad can, passes against Nigeria that could have been. It's, I don't think it's a technical mistake. It's a, it's a mental mistake. Um, but that is why that they're lower. They do kind of have a bit of weakness in the midfield and at fullback, wingback, which brings us to Croatia, which is dominant in the midfield. Outside of that, I think they're uh, tactically strong in you know the defense and forward position. But that midfield is absolutely unbelievable with Luka Modric, uh, Ivan Rakitic, Marcelo uh, Brozovic. You know, you even have a guy coming off the bench in Mateo Kovacic, who is technically one of the better midfielders. Uh, you know, available to many teams. So Colombia seven again, same deal with Hamas. I think this is a fairly fair ranking in terms of again technical ability. Hamas is Hamas makes such a big difference for them because honestly, mm-hmm. if you take Hamas out of the team, I gotta, I gotta start thinking we might need to push them back behind the Switzerlands of the world because technically, outside of him, the players are good. And I guess maybe I'm being a bit harsh there, a little maybe a little higher than that, but. You see my point. You take Hamas out, and things do kind of drop off for them. It, it, he's not a 10-point swing here, but he's certainly a phenomenal player that makes his team tick. Yeah, so and then Uruguay, it's not spectacular. Nothing they do is, like, pretty. There's not a single, like, flair player on that team. The sexy players, quote-unquote, are Cavani and Suarez, not exactly known for their, you know, <laughs> destruction one-on-one. But they have, they have finishing, 
They have clean touches. They do score goals. People do like that. Uh, and the, and these are technical aspects. You do have guys like Godin, who's a great tackler. The same. The set Jimenez pieces, is a good right? header. The, yeah. When they needed a goal, when a game were looking like it might break down for them against uh, Egypt early on in the tournament, they get the header off the set piece. They have so. guys like Matias Vecino in the midfield who are just going to get the ball and move it along. They're not anything special, but they're good enough. Same with Mexico, to be honest, uh, who have nine. They've Mex- been doing their job. Mexico. This is a good, they're, they're a good Mexican team, but I think they're good in the center back. You kind of lose a little bit of that technical ability. Uh, Japan number ten. This is a team that I think if they figure out what their strengths are, this isn't a big team. This isn't a fast team. This is a team that wants to play the ball between the lines, uh, keep it moving, move it quickly, and try to get their wingers a chance to move forward. Uh, we have England at eleven. Uh, Maybe unfairly, maybe not. I think that they have some ability, but I look at guys, uh, a lot of one-dimensional players in some ways. Uh, Jordan Henderson, good player, but he's much more he's of a mental. He's just that. He's really just good. He's a men- but he's, he's, he's best mentally. Very strong tactically positioning. He can make good passes, but he's he kind of just knows the right pass to make. And then they have some just guys who are good physically, which we're not really uh, in this discussion. Guys like Harry Maguire, who are just absolutely... <laughs> Harry Maguire's of the world, yeah. Uh, Portugal, same deal. Look, technically, that team is ugly, and it's even uglier than Uruguay. Like, you know, you would think you would think that Ronaldo might push them up a little further, and I guess if you were looking at it, if that Ronaldo is so technically good that, you know, he should be dragging them further up the list, you could make that argument. But I, he he's great and all, but, like, honestly, the rest of that team is so devoid of a lot of those things. They're just... I mean, and that's the way they want to play, so it, it works yeah. out. Like, I don't think it's anything against. Here's the other thing too: more, more on the tactical side. Playing your strength is such an underrated thing to do nowadays. It seems like everyone wants to. Oh, everyone's going to play attacking style, or oh, we're going to hit them on the counter. Why can't you just play to your strengths? You know, you got to. Everybody knows that this is not you know the most technically gifted team in the world. I mean, you have like the Bernardo Silvas. Uh, I, you have Jean Moutinho, right? The other Jean Moutinho. Um, other than that, like there, there's there is some technical ability, but guys like Pepe and uh, Jose Font are more just big physical, pe- you know, presences back there. Same with William Carvalho. Uh, Thirteen Switzerland. Um, I think this is a team that is really good as playing a, playing. A, this is a really good team at playing at a unit as a unit. <laughs> I'll move on from that. Um, but you know, they're, they're Shakiri. That's yeah. their technical ability. Fourteen Denmark. Uh, I, I actually don't know. <laughs> actually, they're, no. they're Christian Eriksen. Who and other than that, is they're nice, I guess. They're lacking Peony Sisto a little bit. He's again, we kind of leave physical as a completely different category that we're not going to touch. Which is why Sweden are listed at 16 here, and Russia are 15. Uh, Russia are actually objectively still pretty bad. Like Golovin has had a coming out party. Cheryshev has kind of burst back onto the scene after his time at Real Madrid didn't end so ceremoniously. But honestly, like. That you watch the games. You watch that game against Uruguay. That's yeah. where you need some technical ability, they, and they didn't have any. And listen, they don't necessarily need the technical ability when they play, take on Spain. They're just going to need guys like the big guys at top, like Smolov and uh, Zuba, to just kind of be a presence and hassle and Harry uh, Ramos and PK and maybe cause something to happen. Same thing with Sweden. It's like this is a Mule Forsberg as the most technical player. It is, and we look at other teams that have most their most technical player. It's Christian Eriksen. It's James Rodriguez. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. It's Lionel Messi. He does not rank in that group. It might honestly be the case of it might be the strongest case for I have ever seen for literally a team of eleven guys. They're, that team is literally just made of eleven guys. Eleven, just one, but they're all huge. Exactly. Well, <laughs> it's all they're all the 
look, they're, they're a unit at the end of the day, like you said. Tactically, th- they've been strong. Th- and it's hard to argue with that. So, one more thing before we head off here. Some awards. And we have an awards category, yeah, exactly. a little award show here. So, the first one, shame. The shame award for teams that... It's a shame they didn't move on. Yeah. Uh, what is your pick, Eric? Here? I'm picking Peru. I just I, I can't I how can't give can them you, up. How can you not love the way they played in that first game? It was right. such a shame. I feel so bad. Like Paulo Guerrero getting reinstated. The story behind them coming back to the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. Christian Cueva missing that penalty. Ugh. I think the only way to describe it is a shame. Uh, a real shame. What I'm gonna you? go with Senegal losing on you know playing great, taking a lot of fans, especially neutrals, by storm, and losing on yellow cards accumulation what a shame yeah it is an absolute travesty and we that will need to be fixed in the future we move on to the how award for a team that had no business advancing how did they advance what's your pick eric mine is sweden (laughs) i maybe i'm being a little disrespectful maybe i'm being a little bitter but really how come on how, how did Mexico they, let that happen? Seriously? How how has no one figured out how this team is going to play? Oh, I will say this: had it been the had Mexico been the one doing the drubbing, and South Korea had gotten that same result, South Korea would have been in, which which, is, which probably would have led to me picking South Korea. That would have been instead. how. For me, it's Argentina. I know you're going to bring it back to me saying they say. deserved it, but how did they get through a defender to defender ball? What is Marcus Rojo doing in the box at the end? How did they get through the way they played? But they did. Which is going to move us on to our next award, the Big Memer Award for Best New Meme or Best Big Meme of the Tournament. Take your pick, Eric. I'm going for one I created myself. Germany was not singing Gangnam Style at the end of that South Korea game. They were more like Gangnam Style. We'll have to pick that one up and try to get that one taken up by the uh, various social media sites and uh, see if yeah. that can take off. For me, it was the uh, big penalty debates of Missy versus Penaldo, both <laughs> missing a penalty oh in God. these group stages. Of course, Ronaldo did get one. Sorry, Penaldo did get one, but that's one that's going to be. And we could see them later on. Yeah. All right. To this next one. Did his visa get revoked? Basically, For- a player that was there confirmed because he's on the team sheets, but it'd be pretty hard to find him and i'm gonna go with robert Lewandowski. everyone came in with oh this is a guy who scored 16 goals in qualifying he's gonna be tied a big for the man most. tied for the most for poland in a very tough qualifying in europe what was he doing where was he i don't know he was not existent shame for him i will i will uh i was gonna say i i would slightly defend him in the sense that i thought the service was dreadful which is what he kind of needs to be effective but yeah no we've been very critical of robert Lewandowski on this podcast for quite some time now First time at Bayern for his lack of big goals, and now it's extended to Poland. So congratulations, Robert Lewandowski. You're back on the list. For me, it was Timo Werner, the uh, number nine for Germany, who never showed up. Like several German players. He was kind of a young guy who was maybe more of a question mark than a lot of starters. It may have been a little unfair to expect a lot of them, but I would have expected something out of him. He was absent in all three games. Speaking of Robert Lewandowski not getting service, this is a team that Germany you're probably going to get a lot of service and you should make the most of. He didn't really seem connected with the rest of the team and in the same mentality. Best player not here. Self-explanatory of the teams that actually qualified. Who should have made it? Who, who, do you th- who do you scratch your head still at it now and say, why are they not here? Eric, I know who you're going to pick. I think you've talked about it quite enough. Let's hear it, though. If Mauro Icardi is sitting at home while Gonzalo Higuain is putting balls over the goal, I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure we looked at the stats and Higuain had 16 goals in Serie A and Icardi had something like 29. 
yeah, it's it's absurd. It's, it's there's no sporting reason why he's not here. I'm just. Whatever. I defended the choice until I saw that stat, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay, yeah." How do you see someone have more than ten goals than someone else? It's fine for me. It's going to also go back to the Italian league, but this time for Belgium, Rajan Nainggolan. The guy is all over the place. He runs. He can dribble. He can shoot. Inter Milan's N- the new Inter Milan signing. There's a yeah, big story how about that? Uh, uh, with that. Um, a guy who hates Juventus. Uh, fun fact. So, um, but I mean, listen, it's a strong Belgium team, but you can't help but wonder. They probably could have used some help from a player who could play just about anywhere on this team with how much of a bulldog he That's is. That's fine. Politics are better. Uh, the last one. This is this one I, I created just for you. Most time taken from goalkeepers union representatives. Basically, who if if the goalkeepers union actually existed and they had to defend all of the terrible acts of goalkeepers throughout this group stage, who would have taken the most time to develop a defense for? You went with? Well, so here's the thing. I knew who you were going to go with. So I had to try to pick something different. And I actually kind of got stuck on two that I thought these are ones that could have been either way. David De Gea or Wojciech Szczesny. Szczesny uh, kind of doesn't really do anything for Poland in the first two games. But to be fair, can't really blame it on him. And then De Gea in that first game against Poland. Oof. Kinda like had against a, uh, Portugal. Portugal. Starts with a P. Uh, ball basically right at him that ends up going in. Uh, but he And listen, he got defended... By non-union representatives, so that one kind of extends. Well, he's also of that. one of the better of the one of the best. Yeah, he's the best keeper in the world. Let's not even. I'm not even going to mince words. He's the best keeper in the world. So I actually, I actually think that that might actually be the easiest goalkeepers' union response. Is he's the best goalkeeper in the world? Why don't you just calm down? That's why I was split with him and Wojciech Szczesny, who did get taken out for the last game for Lucas Fabianski. And that's and you picked a fate worse than death. I went with Willy Caballero, the gentleman. It's as simple as this. The man goes for the world's... I mean, what is this? It's supposed to be a pretty simple clearance for a professional goalkeeper. Or a pass. Even a shit pass. That's any, any, yeah, you know what? It was a pass. I'm, not, I'm calling it a clearance. I'm making it sound even more ridiculous than it actually was. The man tried to go for an easy chip pass over an attacker and just completely botched it. Can we say he made a meal of it? He made an absolute meal of it. It's an absolute shocker. He's He's been left in shambles. All the cliches that you associate with something shambolic like that. Howler. And yeah, howler. I mean, it was awful. It was. I mean, listen, you're, you're Argentina. You need a result. You're playing against Croatia. It's a 0-0 game. And you do Honestly, that. a draw wouldn't be the worst result. Now we're looking back on it. And he basically gifts them the goal and the lead. Yep. So that's basically it. We will be back whenever uh, the games end Tuesday for the round of 16. So sometime between Tuesday and the start of the quarterfinals on Friday or Saturday. Whenever we feel like it. Whenever. No, no, no. I mean, just whenever. But sometime between the round of 16 and the, and the quarterfinals, there will be another one where we talk about what happened in the round of 16 and what and what uh, we expect to come in the quarterfinals. I mean, just took a look at the time that is expired, that has uh, gone by. If you're still around, what are you doing? I, yeah, I, tell I you mean, this what, is a fun part they, of the end. They but. say they say that people stop listening after about an hour. So if you're still with us, congratulations on making it to the end. Hey, uh, you might get a fruit basket. You might uh, just from, get a fruit Eric basket. Eric or myself. It's true. Just like the South Korean goalkeeper whose uh, basket is in transit as we speak, although I'm given to understand shipping to South Korea is actually pretty expensive. Though I think we made it a little bit easier by being in California so we could skip across the United States. Anyway, that's all the time we have left here on the American Soccer Show World Cup Edition. Are you sure? We don't, before. We're not going to go for another hour? I mean, I'm, I'm here if you want to. You have to work early tomorrow. <laughs> World Cup Edition pr- 
group stage preview, ground of 16 preview, review of the group stage, you get what I mean. Uh, it's been a long hour. So anyway, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes uh, and Stitcher. And Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts, of course. Uh, download. You don't have to listen to a, f- a full hour. 45 minutes will do. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's all the time we have left. For Eric Alcantara alongside me, Emmett McConnell, signing off.